Well, good morning to my friends. I have the privilege on Father's Day of being in your church. And uh, thank you so much for that incredible invitation. Thank you for the privilege. Father's Day is a massive day for people. Even uh, in the last week, I was sitting in my study. I'm 51 years old and tears were just pouring down my cheeks. And my wife walked in and she said, what's, what's wrong? And I said, I'm really, really missing my dad. And so Father's Day has got many memories. Uh, some of them are very sweet. Some of them are very painful. Uh, some of you who are watching today would never have known your fathers. Some of you would have been really hurt by your fathers. But this Father's Day that we celebrate today is not just our fathers on earth. Jesus came to show us the perfect father, the holy father, the generous father, the righteous father. And so one of the things that I feel God has called me to do is to show people the Father. Philip says this, he says, show us the Father and that will be enough. Enough for what? Enough to deal with pain? Enough to deal with rejection? Enough to deal with abuse? Enough to deal with COVID? Enough to deal with your business closing down? Enough for everything. And so I pray today that I'll literally be able to show you a little bit of the Father. From the three men that learned the Father first. Peter, James, and John. And so to all the churches in Durban, as we are fighting for diversity, we are also fighting for unity. And uh, incredible when different churches come together under the same word. And uh, I want to send lots of love to Open Skies. And I want to thank them for the original invitation to speak at uh, Father's Day in Kloof. And then it got bigger. So to, to Roger and Yvonne, who started that work, I love you, and I honor you, and I've always seen you obey God. To Hilton and Jin, who have taken over that work, it's been incredible getting to know you. We've had an incredible meal in Pretoria, and we are so excited about the future and about your church. And uh, to the Paxtons and Peter Maritzburg, I pray for you every day. And uh, thank you for having me. And then obviously in Giba, uh, Becky and Z, and then Ganiyami uh, fraternity down there. I'm sending lots of love from Pretoria. I've never been to your Giba congregation. But Becky and Z, God bless you. It's wonderful to be with you. And then all my link mates, uh, Dylan and Tess. And I remember very clearly being in a flat on the 20th floor in Singapore with about 30 people crammed into a room when God the Father started revealing himself to Dylan. And I watched the softness come over his heart. And I've watched him become a father in his own right, spiritually, not just physically. And uh, it's been an incredible journey with the Link guys and to the Slevins and to, to Dubs and to Bridge and to John and Glenn and Eric and Cal. I'm sending lots and lots of love to all of you up at Link on this Sunday, Father's Day morning. And uh, then my mates at The Rock, Mark and Monique Nyman and all your team. And, and I know most of you, I've married many of you. And I'll never forget Mark Nyman sitting on the veranda of our beach cottage in Leisure Bay. And um, we were talking about your dad and the tragedy of his death and realizing that he died on the very day that I was born. And um, you said to me when I left, the day that my earthly dad died, my spiritual dad was born. And so wrapped up in all of these uh, events is this incredible desire to uh, know the Father, be fathered, and, and, and actually my job is not to be a father to people, it's just to show them the Father in heaven. And so, Open Skies, Link Church, and The Rock, a very good morning to you, and a happy, happy, happy Father's Day. Even if you've had the worst dad in the world, I want to tell you about the best dad in the world. 
The greatest sermon I ever heard on Father's Day was 20 years ago, a man preaching from Psalm 103. And he said this, God the Father has got a long fuse. He's not easily angered. He is slow to anger. He's got a long fuse, a short memory when it comes to my sin and my failings and my disqualifications. God the Father's got a short memory. He's got a thick skin. He can handle my stuff. He can handle my offenses. And he's got a big heart. And I've never ever forgotten that. And there's not a time that I go into a counseling session. When I sit with someone, I think God has got a long fuse, a short memory, a thick skin, and a big heart. And when people sit in my office, it's normally because they've messed up their lives or they've done something wrong or there's a form of brokenness. And I reveal to them that part of God's heart. And they walk out with a bit more courage. Friends, say this with me. God the Father has got a long fuse, a short memory, a thick skin, and a big heart. And we never ever forget that. Uh, one of our elders was telling a story about uh, the earthquake in Armenia 1988, a man dropped his son at school, and uh, as he was driving away, there was a massive earthquake that hit the city, and the road that he was driving on became very wavy because the ground was shaking all around him, and his immediate thought is, my son, and he turned his car around, and he raced back to the school, and this multi-story building had completely collapsed, and his son was in the bottom story. And he started to dig and dig and dig and he was crying and screaming and shouting. And everybody tried to stop this dad from digging. But he said, please leave me alone. And he dug and he dug and he dug for 10 hours. And then night set in and the temperature dropped to minus 10 degrees. And that dad kept digging and they said, please, you've got to stop now so you've got to eat. And his knuckles were completely bleeding. And he kept digging and he kept digging and he kept digging through minus 10 degrees. He dug the whole of the next day. 36 hours that father dug. And eventually he broke into the roof of the classroom that his son was in with 12 or 13 little boys in that room. And instead of the boy looking at his dad and saying, hey, dad, he looked to his friends and he said, I told you my father would come for us. I told you my father. He was so secure in his dad's love. 36 hours later, he turned to his friends. He said, I told you my father would come for you. Friends, this is what my Bible says. If my father on earth, though he is evil, knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more? Please say with me on Father's Day, how much more my Father in heaven? How much more my Father in heaven? Those three words in the midst of COVID, in the midst of an economic crisis, in the midst of racial tensions in our nation, how much more my Father in heaven? And uh, the three guys that, that I love in the Gospels, and we're not going to read everything, but I, I would love you to go and look at it in Mark 14 and John 18 in Luke there's an account of Jesus going to wrestle with his father around his will. And uh, he has to go to the cross and he takes with him Peter, James and John. Now, this is very important, friends, because when you read Peter, James and John in the Gospels, they're normally doing something silly. They're normally making mistakes because he's busy discipling them. But you must know that the last three books or four of the last three books of the Bible are written by Peter, James and John. I'm 51 now. I'm in the second part of my Christianity 
And when I look at Peter, James, and John, and when they finally understood the Father, the second part of their lives counted more than the first part. And I want to say, I want the second part of my life to count more than the first part. I've made mistakes. I've fallen short. I've, I've disqualified myself. But the Father has got a long fuse, a short memory, a thick skin, and a big heart. And when I go to Him, He gives me another chance. And friends, I don't know where you are in your Christianity. But I know this, Jesus came to show us the Father, and the Father gives us second chances that at the end of our lives, we will write a book that will change people's lives. That is my desire, to take any person who comes into my office to show them God and know that they can write a book at the end of their lives. Revelation, the book of James, the book of 1 and 2 Peter, the book of 1, 2 and 3 John. Those were written by disciples that kept messing up. So Jesus goes into the garden and he starts wrestling with his father. And he says to his disciples, just wait here. And he goes to the father and he says, Father, please, if it is possible, could you take this cup from me? But not my will be done, Father, your will be done. And he comes back and Peter, James and John are fast asleep. And he says, could you not keep watch for one hour lest you fall into temptation and he goes back and he wrestles with the father and he says father abba in one of the scriptures it says abba father please can you take this cup but not my will be done your will be done and he finds the will of god while peter james and john are fast asleep friends you could have slept through what's happened in the world over these last while and completely missed the will of god we need to wake up and say what is God saying to us? How do we deal with the crisis in this world? How do we honor Father's Day by lining up with the will of Jesus? And I want to just share three things with you. The first is this. Silence is better than the sword. We're going to learn that from Peter. Silence is better than the sword. The second lesson we're going to learn is from 2 John. It says this. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, will come to you with love and truth. Love and truth are the combination that represents the Father heart of God. And the third lesson we're going to learn from James, Peter, James, and John, the guys who were sleeping while Jesus was working out His Father's will. The third lesson from James says, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. We're going, to, we're going to learn the third lesson is God the Father never changes. The economy has changed. Your business has changed. How we do church has changed. The internet has changed. Facebook has changed. Everything we do has changed. Where we eat has changed. The restaurants have changed. The transport system has changed. But on Father's Day, we have to believe as Christians that we have a Father in heaven who has not changed one bit. He's still big. He's still generous. He's still lavish. He's still kind. He's still creative. He is still ready to change our lives and give us a future and a hope and a destination. Amen? So let's go for the first one. Peter was fast asleep while Jesus was working out the will of the Father. And as they came and had an interaction with Judas to, to, to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out his sword and he cut off Malchus's ear. And Jesus says this to Peter, Put your sword away, enough of this. 
And Peter is the guy who fell asleep, fell into the water, fell into temptation, cut off a man's ear, and then he writes a book. And this is the last phrase of 1 Peter. By this grace, we will learn how to stand. And so Peter, in the last few days of Jesus' life, learned more about Jesus and the Father than he did in the three years of walking with Jesus. Lesson number one, silence is greater than the sword. Silence is greater than the sword. And this is what it says, friends, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering. And many people are going through suffering now, economic suffering, racial suffering, psychological suffering, emotional suffering. Because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Friends, we, we've got people who go to America, come back from America after two visits, speak with American accents and prophesy a lot of rubbish. Oh, praise God, hallelujah, I'm going to see a manifestation. You're going to be filled with glory. God is going to pour money over you. This is what it says. You were called to unjust suffering. And Peter, pulling out the sword, trying to fight like the world, followed his Savior, who was following his Father, through unjust suffering, while he remained completely quiet. How's your boss treating you? This is talking about employees. How, how's the government treating us? Friends, it didn't tell us to, 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 to criticize uh, Minister, uh, President Ramaphosa. It calls us to pray for him. It calls us to submit, submit ourselves to him. Does it make sense? Not all of it. But the Bible says it is greater to submit to him because you're aware of a higher power. It says, to this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Jesus got his mouth under control. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Father's Day lesson number one, friends. We can be silent while inside of us we are violent and stewing. We can be silent while we set the atmosphere of everything around us. You can be silent in your home. It's one of the manipulative defense mechanisms we use in marriage and in our homes. Or you can be silent in the midst of unjust suffering while you are appealing to a far greater authority. The authority in heaven that judges justly. Our friends, if we read the Bible properly, and let me give you a quick Bible lesson for those who know me for any length of time. One of the ways you read the Bible, like 1 Peter, is you, is you read it through and you write down every name of God that you find. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Lamb of God, the Rock, the Stone, the Creator, the Example. You write it down. Then you write down everything that Jesus has done. In this book, He's redeemed me from the empty way of life handed down by my forefathers. He sprinkled me with His blood. And so I've got all these privileges. Then you take the scriptures that have been written 
and quoted. And in this scripture, it's Isaiah 53, the famous scripture 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah 53 is quoted. Then you go and read Isaiah 53, and this is what it says in Isaiah 53. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he remains silent. As a sheep before her shearers. Please say her. As a sheep before her shearers is silent. So Jesus changed his nature from a man to a you. The comparison is to a you sheep because a ram butts and a ram fights and a ram opposes. Jesus took on the nature of a you sheep, the most docile animal you can imagine, while he was being unjustly treated because he trusted one greater than himself. Friends, this is the time that we take on the nature of the Father so that we can somehow have an impact on the earth. This is the scripture that was being read. Then when we read that scripture in Isaiah 53, we've got to ask ourselves a question, does this scripture appear anywhere else in the Bible? And it appears in Acts chapter 8. And we have to come up with a theological solution to Black Lives Matter. And it's found in Peter, James and John. And this is what happened. It says, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a black man from Africa. And you say to me, why do black lives matter? Black lives matter because the Bible says they matter. Black lives matter because they matter to Jesus. And that has got to be the foundation. We don't respond to a movement. We respond theologically to what is happening in our nation by what is written in our Bible. Jesus loves you, sir. Black man of Africa, this I know, for my Bible tells me so. The Bible puts in there, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a black man of Africa, reading the Bible. Philip was in the midst of a revival. Philip asked this one question in John 14. He said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. So God, that was his heart, show us the Father. So Jesus pulls him out of a revival and he puts him on the road. Of one black man reading Isaiah 53. And he's reading this. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he remained silent. And Philip goes to him and the, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, Who, who, who is, he, is he writing about? Is he writing about himself or somebody else? Jesus remained silent. And that silence opened up the ears of heaven. And the Father in heaven found an Ethiopian eunuch on the road. Friends, trying to search for God, a black man, a barren man, he found them on the road and the ears of heaven were open and a revival was stopped and a man was placed there. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 8, starting with that very scripture, Isaiah 53, starting with that very scripture. Isaiah 54 says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. He was a barren man. He thought, I can have joy again inside of my heart. Isaiah 55 says this, Come to me, all you who are thirsty, who have got no money to buy wine and to buy milk. He's an accountant, friends. He was a treasurer. He was the finance minister. Everything to him had a cost. And Jesus throws his whole cost system upside down and says, no, there's a completely new economic that's taking place. Friends, we have to know in the church, we do not live with the economics of buying and selling. We live with the economics of heaven, sowing and reaping. We're going to be okay. And then Isaiah 56 says this. He said, let no foreigner say, I will be excluded. 
for God will never exclude foreigners from inside his ranks. And then he says, let not the eunuch say, I am only a dry tree. He says to the eunuchs, I will take you within. Say within. I will take you within my temple. And I will give you a name better than sons and daughters. And by that stage, the Ethiopian eunuch, his heart was completely gone. And he said, I want to serve Jesus. Is there water in which I can be baptized? Because Jesus was silent. In the midst of an incredible fight. In the midst of unjust suffering. But he wasn't just silent and, 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 and docile. He was silent while he was appealing to the Father. And the Father heard the unjust suffering. And the Father interacted in an Ethiopian eunuch's life, friends. Oh God, would you interact and interrupt. And would you break in, Lord God, with your power. So that we can rewrite the futures of people in our nation. People that have been castrated. People who cannot produce legacies, Lord God. People who do not have inheritance. Barren people, Lord God. Black people in our nation, oh God. Would you hear the cry, Father. That on this Father's Day. You would give people in our nation a name better than sons and daughters. A name better than sons and daughters. Black people, Lord God. All people, Lord God. Better than sons and daughters. The second thing, friends, I want to speak about is what we call love and truth. And in 2 John, he writes the scripture and he says, Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father will come to you with love and truth. And uh, truth is, is, is sets free, but truth is not always easy. And I've just been through a process, and, and I, would, I would subtitle this point, uh, Fat Men Matter to God. And uh, I, I have two fat friends who, who have had a, a, a division in their relationship, been friends for 40 years, and I heard via, via that they haven't spoken for 18 months. And um, so I thought we'd have a meeting, um, three fat men, and we'd bring Jesus there to that meeting. And we'd do a reconciliation, we'd, we'd bring truth and we'd bring love because that represents the Father. And while Peter, James and John were sleeping, they missed it. But, but then John would have watched Jesus going through this, this truth, but, he, but, he, but he, he didn't respond and he gave kindness and he gave love and he dealt with sinners and he gave them truth. He said, I haven't come for the sick, I've come for, for uh, not come for the healthy, I've come for the sick. But, but while he's talking to them, he's putting love in place. And so they're working out the ways of God. And I had a friend of mine in Durban, we went out for dinner a little while ago, or a year ago, and, and I said to him, hey bro, as a Christian, I believe you're drinking too much. You, 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 you're getting drunk and, and you're drinking too much. And, and he looked at me and he said, yeah, but Rory, you're eating too much. You, you're fat. And, and so, so, so now, we, now we're resting. That's the truth. And, the, and that's the family. And, and we have a father and we're sons. And, and we wrestle these truths through, you know. And since that day, every week, he phones me and he SMSs me on a Friday. He says, I've had another week of sobriety because God has broken into my life. And I've battled with my weight for 25 years. And I've made all sorts of excuses. I've had a brain operation. I can't exercise. My head gets sore. Made all sorts of excuses. But, but God has put his finger on this thing. And then I go into this meeting to reconcile these guys. They're both successful businessmen. And we meet in a, in, in a neutral venue, and one guy's lost 35 kgs, and the other guy's lost 30 kgs. So they haven't seen each other for 18 months. Now they're all slim and trim and in shape. And I'm the only fat guy in the room. 
And so we, we, we put the meeting together, we do a reconciliation, there's a little bit of heated debate, but I'm ready for it, I'm prepared, I've got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, and I throw peace at it, and we throw the gospel at it, and, and at the end of it, we, we, we bring a reconciliation, and they hug, and they kiss, and they pray together, and it's unbelievable, incredible time. And then as we leave, the man says, okay, it's my turn now, Rory. So I said, okay. He said, he said you overweight. And I tell you, I just felt this, this dagger hit my heart. I flew down. I paid for the tickets. I hired the car. I set up the meeting. I was prepared for their reconciliation. But I wasn't prepared for the truth that he was going to speak to me. And so we left and they were happy and they kissed. And I drove out of that thing and I was seething. I thought, it's not right. But it was true. It was true. But I didn't feel like there was love attached to it. I didn't feel like it represented the Father because it was truth. But I felt like the meeting was hijacked. And I thought the agenda was hijacked. But I kept feeling God saying, but it's true. So, so I, I was praying and I said, so Lord, I was sitting at the airport flying home, but I was mad. And I said, Lord, so, so what must I do? He said, you've been a Christian for a long time, like Peter, James, and John. You must now put a mature response onto this truth. And I thought, how do I do that? And I felt God say, this truth has got to get across the bridge, but the bridge is not strong enough to handle. So you have to, from the bottom... From the bottom, build a scaffolding until it can reach the top of the bridge. And that this truth, with the love of your scaffolding, can actually hold this bridge up, friends. You see, I never had the shoes of the gospel. I never had the shoes of the gospel. Because truth is like stony ground. But Jesus says, follow in my steps. And when you put the love, the cushion onto the truth, you can actually keep walking. And Jesus leaves us an example. I'm going to show it to you here. Jesus leaves us an example to follow in His steps. I realize it's not to follow in His steps like this. He died, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I realize Jesus left an example by walking upside down like this. And our job is to follow in His steps. As He walks, we follow in His steps. And so I came home and I received the truth. I had to build up a bridge because I'm a mature Christian now. And actually on Father's Day, some of you need to grow up. Love and truth go together. And I applied truth and I said to my wife, what do you think about my weight? She said, no, you need to do something about it. And so I, I, I went to the Bible and I went to John chapter 4 and I said, Jesus, will you show me how to deal with my hunger? So I've got this friend who drinks too much and I eat too much. I've got these men who have told me. And John chapter 4 says this. Jesus was busy ministering to that woman. He was teaching her about the Father. In John 4 at the well, the woman who's very broken, been married many times. And the disciples go and get food and they come back and they say to Jesus, you must eat. He says, I'm not hungry. They said, you must have eaten somewhere else. He says, I have food you know not of. My food is to do the will. Say with me the will. The will of the Father. And as I read, I've read a hundred times, I felt God say, if you do my will, I'll take your hunger away from you. And so during the lockdown, friends, I started doing what I believe the will of God is for my life, which is to prepare, to pray, and to preach. 
And I've lost 14 kilograms since the lockdown. I'm not there yet. But I could have actually just chucked it off. And that truth that I was given could have broken the bridge. Or I could have actually grown up in my knowledge of the Father at this time. And I'm about halfway. But I'm on the road now. And the excuses have stopped. And I've taken the love and the truth of the Father. And I've applied them. And I'm busy changing little bit by little bit. Because I know I'm 51 now, 52 nearly. I want to count for God for the next 30 years of my life. Slim, trim, fit, healthy, strong. No excuses. Counting for God. And time is running out and I said I would keep it short and I'm sorry if I've gone too long. But finally James says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God always has a long fuse. God always has a short memory when it comes to your sin and your failures and your disqualifications. God always has a thick skin when you chuck your toys out the cot. And God always has a big heart, a big heart. Friends, you've seen it in the establishment of open skies. You've seen it in the establishment of the rock. You've seen it in the establishment of link. You've built buildings. You've gone on mission trips. You've planted churches. You've expanded your ministries. You've traveled overseas. People have got saved. God will not change. COVID has messed up our land. COVID has messed up our economy. But God is perfectly in charge in heaven. And say this with me, please, open skies. Say this with me, please, rock. Say this with me, please, link. Our Father, who art in heaven, not on earth, not in South Africa, who art in heaven, who has an overall perspective, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, Happy Father's Day is appealing to the greatest force in this world, the greatest person in this world, God the Father in heaven, infiltrating this earth with His teaching of His Son and the power of His Holy Spirit. Silence is greater than the sword. Love and truth are a combination that our nation need now. We need truth to cross a bridge. But we need Christians to build up love to handle the truth. And we need to know that in a changing world, God the Father never, ever changes. Happy Father's Day to every one of you in Natal. From Kloof to Durban North to the North Coast, happy Father's Day. God bless you. Amen.